Welcome everyone to another episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. It's your host, Travis John. John, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing? Good, man. Today's episode is brought to you by our supercast, elbowstight.com or elbowstight.supercast.com. If you guys want ad-free listening, there are three tiers of uh, subscription that you can do, $5, 10 $15 a month. Each tier has a specific uh, list of benefits that you can get. Also, if you want to join our mailing list, it's also at elbowstight.supercast.com. Please go over there and subscribe and support the podcast. All the money that we earn there is going to be directed right back into the podcast. Um, we have day jobs, so we don't need the money yet. But hopefully someday that we, <laughs> right. we hopefully someday that all of your support at home will give us the opportunity to actually do this full time if possible. Uh, other housekeeping notes, make sure that you guys follow us on Instagram, all that fancy stuff, Elbows Tight Podcast, Elbows Tight everywhere. And uh, yeah, make sure you guys check out the Supercast and join our mailing list. John, who is the guest that we have today? Man, Lawrence Pector. That was such a good podcast. So good. I think we could have kept talking. I know. And honestly, I had to... That's why I looked at you and was like... I. I know it's late here. It's seven o'clock at night here. We usually record Sunday mornings, but um, it was such a good conversation to talk to someone that's like this, this. It's like the same person as us. Like he's super down to earth guy. We say this about a lot of our guests, but you know, he's uh, Lawrence Packner is the creative director for Hyperfly. Um, he's a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and we talk a lot about kind of the the struggles of training Jiu Jitsu um, as like you know, normal human beings. Yeah, for man. sure. Yep. Yeah. And we have a lot of, he has a lot of good stories, a lot of input and whatnot. It's, it's just a, it's a, just a good conversation. Um, John mentioned when, when we got done recording with him that, you know, he kind of seems, uh, uh, beyond his years, I guess the saying yeah, is I felt right? like he, you know, he had some wisdom to him already. You know, I picked that up while we were talking to him. Yeah. He's, he's a good kid. I had a lot of fun talking kid. I'm only a couple years older than him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but had a lot of fun talking to him. Hope you guys enjoy this. There's a little bit of stuff out there. If you're a white belt looking to get sponsored by Hyperfly, I hate to break it to you. He smashes that right away at the end. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, but it's cool to talk to someone in the industry with such influence and the way, you know, they're kind of paving the way for jujitsu right now and making it, you know, a bigger and better sport and activity for those. John, what was our beverage of the day? What did you have? I had just a, a, a Modelo. I had a... Uh Single malt scotch, it was delicious. Aged twelve years, it was good. What what was the what was the flavors of it? Uh, it was like um, this is gonna sound weird, but maybe the scotch drinkers will get it. It's like a caramel cough syrupy taste. I don't know. It's hard to say weird. if you don't drink scotch. But those <laughs> that drink it know what Speyside is. That's what it was. Oh, okay. That's the one that I had that I liked, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a little good. sweet. It's got some yeah, caramel That one's it. actually really good. Yeah. I'm not a big scotch drinker, but that stuff is actually pretty good. Whatever the oaky, the, the, mm -hmm. the not the oaky one, the other one that you gave me when we were at your house, and it tasted like... <laughs> Like death. It was yeah. horrible. So yeah, bad. It was pretty good. Yeah, no, it wasn't good. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening and watching at home. If you guys have any feedback for us, please just DM us on Instagram. Um, make sure that you share the podcast with someone. It greatly helps. Give us a five-star review on Spotify and iTunes. We've been having companies reach out to us recently because of you guys and the, the support that you give us. So please keep doing that. It directly helps us. Also... Uh, we sent out a new patch today to someone, a listener. Daniel, thank you so much for sending us a patch. Yours is on the mail uh, on, on your way to you if it's not already there by the time this comes out. So if you guys want a patch, uh, 
The address can be down in the description below if you want one. So thank you guys so much for listening and watching at home. Hopefully you enjoy this, and we'll catch you later. later. Peace. Support for Elbows Tight is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the performance package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code ETP20 at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. That's a lot of balls, Johnny. When Manscaped reached out to work with us, I instantly thought, yes, what a deal. I've been using Manscaped products for a while now, and when they mentioned helping out with the podcast, I, I thought it was a no-brainer. I have the Lawnmower 4.0 now, but I had the Lawnmower 3.0 and absolutely loved it. Also, most people think about Manscaped as tr just trimmers, but really they have ball deodorant, ball toner, the weed whacker, which is your favorite thing, right, John? Yeah, I love the weed whacker. Look, I'm about to hit like 45 years old, so I got hair growing out of everywhere now. So it's coming out my ears. I'm like, man, where is that weed whacker? It's definitely my favorite. <laughs> Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ETP20 at Manscaped. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code ETP20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools to get the job done with Manscaped. Lawrence, how's it going today, man? How are you doing? We've kind of already been talking for like 15 minutes, but I guess we <laughs> should probably actually officially start the intro. How are you doing, man? I'm great, man. I'm happy to be here. Happy to talk to you, too. Yeah, no, I've, uh, it's, it's with our lives being so busy, yours and ours, I was like, every day, I was like, John, can we do this day? John, can we do this day? <laughs> man, like, yeah, sun Sunday, 10 a.m. might be difficult depending on what happens Saturday. <laughs> uh, so That's the same here. Like, yeah. Our Saturdays are <laughs> kind of our unwind night. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah. my wife uses it as uh, let's let's do all the yard work in the world, yeah. uh, and mm -hmm. then and then we'll we'll hang out the rest of the day. So yeah, Saturdays for us too are are super busy days. We just I think we literally block out Sunday mornings now just yep. just for for podcasting. But today's a Wednesday afternoon at five thirty. But it's just as good to me because I'm having a nice after work beer right now. So. <laughs> there we go. What you said you were drinking an energy drink. What energy drink do you have? Um, honestly, I didn't get one. I went to the employee fridge and grabbed someone's <laughs> lunch from tomorrow. So oh no! Rain. Yeah, <laughs> I will be in trouble tomorrow uh, with one of our that employees. That looks like a dreamsicle. Uh, orange. Yep. There yep, you go. Orange you dreamsicle. Go. Yeah. yeah. Good eyes. Are you a big energy yeah. drinker, or do you like coffee more? Uh, I'm a big coffee guy. I mean, I'll have like my energy drink phase, but um, it's just it's like almost too much energy it's too much caffeine i think you know mm. like i kind of i i start doing like 10 different things i'll start answering an email then open up my phone to go in, on instagram real quick and do a post and then i'm thinking like oh i should be you know going in the warehouse and doing and like i'm all over the place i don't get anything done then but if we're just chatting that's okay have you ever had a pre-workout before training uh yeah when i first started training back in 2010 I, I would do the like the, the, the scoop of pre workout with yeah. a little bit of water, you know? Like my Yao brother style. <laughs> I tried it a couple times. I was like, yeah. nope, never doing this again. That was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's too much. Like you're sitting there and they're going over the technique and you're like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, pretty let's much. Go. But besides the point, let's go ahead and get into who you are. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know. How do we even? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But let's let's go into who you are, what you do for a living, how you got into jujitsu, all and all that cool stuff. Yeah. So um, I'm Lawrence. <laughs> uh, my family own uh, and I we own a company called Hyperfy. Um, you know, we started it about 11 years ago. My mom, my dad, my sister, and I we're still running the business together. Um, I'm the creative director at Hyperfy. My mom's like the brains of the operation. Uh, my dad is kind of like the like he's the one who sets sail for like the new big projects and brings you know stuff on board like the nba projects that we've been doing and my sister just like manages all of it so we're based here in southern california we have you know a good team here now and um just uh slowly growing and doing our thing yeah hyperfly is like real quick hyperfly is one of my favorite brands I, ha- I think i have two two of your geese you like you, we mentioned beforehand the starlight and then yeah. uh the ultralight or what is it the the hyperlight right is that the right hyperlight the yeah. Hyperlight. Yeah, yeah yeah and so uh those are like my two favorite geese right now but how did you get Sweet. into jujitsu like can, can you tell that quick story yeah yeah um i guess it all starts with the uh, us moving here from germany in like 2009 and my parents kind of looking for um, something to do for my brother and I, for my younger brother and I, kind of like some sort of martial art or some sport. We, we weren't into football. We didn't grow up with baseball. You know, none of the American sports that were like widely available for everybody. Um, and this was like right before the boom of like the MMA um, era, you know, before it was even sanctioned uh, in New York and all that stuff. Um, and we've always had, um, well, so my parents put us into jiu-jitsu. Um, but then in Germany, we've always had, um, this trademark do or die. Mm-hmm. And that's the original company name. Um, and when we moved here, we saw kind of like saw the, the rise of MMA. Um, and my parents decided to start, um, an MMA brand cause they kind of saw a lack of creativity in the space. Um, but then quickly, we actually originally started as an MMA, MMA brand. We did the UFC fan expo like early, early on. Uh, but quickly realized that the space was pretty saturated and the schools and blood and chains and, you know, it really wasn't the space to be in at that time. Well, you weren't a big um, fan of affliction and, and, and all that stuff? No. <laughs> Tap out. Yeah. Tap out. Yeah, yeah. All that godly um, stuff. Yeah, it all had to happen, though, for us to mature and get to this point, right? Right. Um, but, yeah, I just saw that and um, quickly realized it just wasn't the space that we wanted to be in. And because my brother and I were training jujitsu, there was an interest in maybe doing something in that space. Um, then once I got my blue belt at Gracie Baja, my parents thought it was a good idea to uh, challenge, like a dojo storm, like challenge my blue belt and like go test it out in the real world. And they drove me down to all, out of all places, they drove me down to the University of Jiu-Jitsu and kind of were like, hey, the school is really prestige, like go on. And I'm wearing a Gracie Baja gi I got my blue belt on, um, and this is like, I think this is right after Shanji and Hodger had a match, you know, and so there's a lot of tension there too, and I had no idea. I'm just like 16 years old, uh, not knowing anything about the sport, jumped on the mat and got my ass kicked by like everybody in that school. Like mm. all the white belts kicked my ass, all the higher ranks kicked my I was just like, I was, I just had a red target on my back, you know, the red greasy <laughs> yeah, bottom Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I and after the class was over, I realized that that was the t- like I the blue belt I had wasn't the blue belt I wanted. You know, I wanted that blue belt. You know, that blue belt I wanted that white belt that they had. You know, that knowledge. Um, and um, took my blue belt off, gave it to Salo, and restarted as a white belt. So that's kind of you know that's how that's how we that's how I like that's how I started training, and that's how I, that's how we started. Um, the jiu-jitsu side of the business because once we started training at the university uh, we made good friends with Salon Shanji and um, being already in the MMA space and kind of knowing about manufacturing all that stuff we wanted to do some custom geese for them so the very first do or die gi that we ever made was actually a custom gi for the University of Jiu-Jitsu it was like a old school gold I think it was a gold weave like 550 with the diamond skirt and all that um and that was like the, the first gi we ever made. And then from there, you know, they really liked it. We started making our own gi as a do or die gi. And we, I think it, it actually used to be do or die and then it would just say equip. And uh, from there we like needed a, a good name for a model, just like any, you know, any shoe, you know, has a, a model and something that was a little bit more family friendly. Um, and so that's how we came up with Hyperfly. Yeah. So Hyperfly was the first gi model that we made. Oh, so it was do or die, and hyper, then Hyperfly was the model. For a long time, it was a do or die Hyperfly. Oh. You know, that's that's what we were known as. And then we realized that do or die wasn't... Uh, we realized that do or die wasn't um, the most like family-friendly name, probably. You know? <laughs> right, um, right. And so we transitioned, you know, it's it's like... You don't want to put your, you don't want to buy, like the parents don't want to buy geese that are, you know, says do or die on it for their kids. So, right. You know, we transitioned into Hyperfly, and um, yeah, that's that's how it all kind of started. So you, you mentioned you're 16 years old. Boom, got your blue belt. What was that? What was that feeling like? Even though you 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 gave it back later, what was that initial feeling like when you're 16 years old and they're like, "Hey, you can officially be a blue belt," and you got it? What did that? What did, what was that whole emotion like? Um, I guess like at that point, it was still pretty foreign. Uh, just cause like I, we had, I had moved here, I was 15 and a half. So I was about 16 and a half when I got my blue belt, still figuring out Southern California, the language, the people still making friends. You know, when I, when I first moved, it was second semester freshman year of high school. didn't really make any friends. So it was more like, Hey, you're the German kid. Say something funny in your accent. You know? <laughs> so it was all, it was all just like foreign, you know? Um, but things really started to click when I was, training with Salo and Shanji at their academy. That's when it, that's when it really felt like I earned it, Yeah, you know, like Salo would get in these moods where he would come to the academy and he would turn off all the lights, light a couple candles, and it would just be like six, seven minute rounds back to back to back to back. And you were never allowed to sit out. You oh, know, that wow. was like old school Brazilian training. Yeah. What year like was that's this? That's when really, the, um, 2000, like, 13 14 actually no you know what no it was closer to 2012 i graduated in 2012 so 2011 2012 somewhere around there yeah i think that um this era of like uh old school tough brazilian training isn't necessarily around anymore which is in the way i think almost good because it was (laughs) it it felt abusive at times but it was just from a different part of the world you know it was it was uh, if you were late to class, you had to climb the rope and stay on the rope, and you would start slipping, and 
you would get hit on the hands with the Shania after, you know, Holy one crap. of the warm-ups was, uh, you jump on someone's back and you're running in circles and, and, you know, someone has a Shania and we're hitting each other with it. It was great for what it was. And it like, <laughs> it would truly felt like, um, like the beginning of like a martial arts journey, you know, what, like, what's like a Shania kid style. A Shania is a Japanese practice sword. So it's made oh, out okay. of bamboo. Yeah. 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 Um, it was, it was really cool for what it was. Um, but obviously that that method isn't really around anymore because jiu-jitsu now has become a much uh, fa- more family-oriented uh, sport, right? You have the, the competition classes, which are run very professionally, um, and then you have like the family side of it. But back then, it was it was a very different different training. Yeah, we've, we've been through a couple of instructors at our academy, and it's definitely been kind of a, <clears throat> a similar experience, but in our own school, because every time a new instructor comes in, it's mm-hmm. it's a whole different expectation. It's a whole different, you know, luckily, we've every time we've leveled up further and further in, in the skill level, right? Like before, it was the owner, Cody, who was just a purple belt at the time, and no offense to Cody, but mm. the first time someone came in that took over, that was a, a brown belt, then he got his black belt with us. Uh, that was like a whole nother level, and now we're under a, a, a Carlson Gracie black belt, uh, Marcelo Alonso black belt, and so it, which is a whole nother level to him. You know what I mean? And it's just like slowly we're like, as you mentioned, you wanted to give your, your blue belt back when our current instructor came. He was just showing so much stuff that we had never experienced before. And like his, you know, and that's, it's so subjective in jujitsu, what a blue belt is, what a purple belt is, you know what I mean? And so he came mm-hmm. in and what his idea of a blue belt was, wasn't exactly what everyone was at that level, right? Like some of the things we hit, but some of the things we didn't. But we would joke, we're like, we're just gonna give our blue belts back. He's like, no, no, it's it's fine. You have them. We'll just work on yeah. it. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. There is no really like one universal system for right. for for your ranks. You know, I, I know that like well, I guess there is a universal system in in terms of like you know going up in the ranks, but I feel like there is no one criteria for like how much should a blue belt know, how much should a purple belt know. Like it kind of differs from from school to school, from affiliation, right? Because you have like the whole um, the Gracie system, like a lot of self defense stuff in it. Mm-hmm. But then you go to like Athos, and there's like no self defense, you know? Right, right. So it, it is really interesting. Yeah. So when when you when you got your blue belt uh, at your your new academy after being smashed and stuff like that, did you ever reflect on like, man, if I were to go back to Gracie Baja right now, like it would, I would give, you know, the purple belts, the brown belts for a run. Did you, that ever cross your mind? You're like, I kind of want to go back and like try and test myself now with them and see how it goes. Um, I, I want to say that, um, ego driven, like 16, 17 year old Lawrence <laughs> probably had those thoughts. Uh, but I try not to let my ego drive me too much nowadays. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, it was just like I said. It was just like a different. It was a complete different level of training. Which my favorite part of it was that um, it, we always started standing up. Mm. And I don't know how many academies do that now. Like it varies, like where you go, right? But the the warm ups, part of the warm ups was um, I think it was like grip breaking for like a minute or two. You know, it was taking turns. Mm-hmm. And then takedowns, takedown for takedown for takedown for takedown for a couple of minutes. And I love that part. I'd, I'd love that. And I think every, I mean, personally, I think every school should have that in, in their warmups and should have that for, for training, you know, starting standing up. Because I think that 
starting your 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 role sitting kind of takes away from being able to apply what you're learning in the street if you ever need it. You know, the proper distant management. Um, you you'll never pull guard in the street. You get kneed in the face. You know, <laughs> like you you want to be the one on top and not you know. So I I I'm grateful for for that part because um, I feel really comfortable. I'm not I'm I don't have a rank in judo, but I feel really comfortable on my feet and I have a really good base. I'm extremely hard to take down. Um, I have like this awkward power when I'm standing, but I think it's it's just because of how how I started. I always felt like it was a it. handicap to start sitting. And I used to tell him that all the time. I was like, I don't understand why we always start sitting. Like, just was yeah. common sense to me. I was like, I don't understand why we start like this. But you know, yeah, I feel like if we had more mat space and less people, it'd be a whole lot easier for us to start standing. Yep. But uh, I even asked uh, one of my my good buddies, and uh, I was like, Hey, uh, how do you safely train? He was doing like an ask uh, an AMA, and I was like, Hey, how do you safely train takedowns like in class? And he, he and he straight up said he's like it's virtually impossible. He's like the only the best time to do it is like at an open mat or after a bunch of people leave. He's like otherwise you're going to be running into people. And I, I I see I see some some like videos on Instagram of I mean these guys have like warehouse size mats and you know they're able to practice takedowns. I'm like man one day one day we'll do that because I I would also like to practice that stuff. Like I I play mm-hmm. a lot of open guard right now just because I'm a bigger guy. I'm five eight like two hundred two oh five. And so uh, I don't. I try to start on on my butt or on the ground first. That way, I'm not using my size from the get go with with people. And also, my open guard sucks really bad. So it's like, <laughs> like putting myself at a disadvantage right away. But you know, I would yeah. like to practice. You know, the actual technique of our single legs and whatnot, because we do the similar thing too, where it's you know we start off with grip break. That grip break leads into like an arm drag. That arm drag leads into a single leg, and then you're gonna run the pipe, right. and then. Boom, next part of the technique is we're starting on the ground. Now you got your takedown, now it's part of the technique. You know what I mean? So do you not prefer yeah. you don't you don't really like when you run around in circles, do fifteen minutes of push ups, sit ups, jumping jacks and, and all that stuff? Dude, I, I'm a seven year purple belt. I'm always late to the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, I try I try not to be, but I'm who really likes warm ups? Not I don't, me. I mean, Preach. That's right. Who, I don't want to pay for that. I'm like, if I want to go join a CrossFit yeah. class again, then I'll go join a CrossFit yeah. class. I'm not trying to do that. I just want to do the jujitsu. I, I think the part that bothers me the most is that I build up, I run hot. So I build up a sweat in the warm up only to cool down yes. sitting, watching technique for like six, seven minutes, right? And then apply the technique and you're not really breaking a sweat then unless you're drilling. And so I just don't like the, yeah. you know, the, if we did technique, like if we stretched, then did technique, and then did a warm up before we roll, I think I would enjoy that a lot more. Mm. Yeah, I just I the best class I ever had, we just rolled before the class. It was like four roll, mm. four rounds of rolls, and then we went into class. Mm. Felt fantastic. Yeah, and I feel like that's the biggest complaint people have that actually objectively think about, you know, a traditional style warm-up of calisthenics and and running and all, you know, these cardiovascular things. Like, people think about it. They're like, yeah, I'm warm, but then we're going to go into, okay, now here goes the technique. Everyone sit around me, cross your legs, and we're going to go over five minutes of details on how we should do this. Yeah. And then you by the end yeah. of it, you're like, all right, well, I guess... uh. Hopefully I don't get injured again because now I'm already cool. <laughs> yeah. but And, you know, I, I warm up before the – like I warm up at the gym. Like I 
I know to warm up, but I just don't think that warming up before technique is necessary. Yeah. Yeah, just, we, you know, let's leave it with that. <laughs> yeah, we trained in Japan, and the deal was you just warmed up before class uh, if you oh, wanted cool. to, so you'd warm up. And then when class started, we just got straight into technique and yeah. in class. Yeah, but people in Japan are also so much more responsible than people here in the United <laughs> yeah, States. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, we need to warm up yes, yeah, on yeah. our own. Yeah. You know, it, I need to make it on time. <laughs> but I did, Show up early, I they, did they would say. In, yeah. I did train in San Diego for a while, and I liked it there because they did a lot of roles before class, too. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, this where is where did you train here in San Diego? Chula Vista, BJJ. Okay, yeah. I haven't been there, but yeah. It was good. There's, I mean... I, San Diego is like a mecca for you. Yeah, is. I was going to say, there's so many places down there, like there, mm-hmm. like Atos, Chula Vista, who has a bunch of good people. There's like uh, Keenan Cornelius. Yeah. Jo- Johnny Ferreira Alliance, that's where I'm yeah. at. at oh, that's yeah. Is, mm-hmm. How did you end yeah, up yeah. there? Then let's go to that. How did you end up uh, at Alliance then? Oh, okay. Um, well, so when I was training at the university, which is, uh, um, I was living in North County, Encinitas mm-hmm. area. I don't know if you call that around there. I would drive an hour or so and I didn't even have a license then. So my parents would drive me like an hour or more down to go train and then down to wow. go back. Wow. Uh, good parents. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was, yeah. Great parents. <laughs> way too much, way too much dedication for, you know, a young teenager. And, um, eventually it was just, it, it was just traffic in San Diego has gotten, has been getting worse over the years. So you know? bad, and, man. And it, it's so bad. It's like LA traffic basically. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I got to a point where it, you know, wasn't sure if it was worth going up and down, up and down. Um, and they opened up an affiliation in Oceanside um, where I trained for a little bit. Kind of had a fallout with the guy who ran the the Hibero school up in Oceanside. Um, and then uh, discovered Surfite with Majit and Joel Tudor. Um, started training there. Then Surfite uh, moved in with Studio 540. They combined joint forces. So I started training there. Got to live through that golden era of Studio 540 with all the free seminars oh. and the amazing open mats and the the talent that would just randomly show up to train. Um, they're still doing, you know, they're still doing a great job with their school and they have something else going for them now. But the goal, like Marcelo, the Marcelo Garcia came out of like retirement from doing seminars and did his first seminar there. Wow. And it was like a really big deal. Um, we had Bushesha, we did like everybody in the house, Hodger. Um, and then uh, I, I just moved to a different area of San Diego and uh, found a school that was an alliance affiliation in Cosbet that was super close to my apartment. It was basically walking distance, which was a dream to like be able to walk to Jiu-Jitsu and back. It was so cool. You know? Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so I started training there, and then I moved to Hillcrest. And our we moved our office from Cosbet to Miramar and... Johnny is a good friend of ours. Um, we've been friends with him for years and his school is like right down the street. So it just all made sense. And the training there is great. It's a beautiful facility. Yeah. They have like the big fan, very you know, lots lots of space and uh, all the everybody who trains there is just awesome. Yeah, do you sponsor them? Does Hyperfly sponsor the the academy? Uh, we work with some of the athletes there, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Alliance. So Alliance has like their own deal, oh, you yeah, know, that, that they that they work with brands, and, and so we never got into that. So, as you're going through like your own BJJ journey, you know, you Hyperfly is 
is growing, right? And how did you maintain the ability to train and also work on the business? Because, I mean, you were mm. almost an adult already by the time you started training, right? You said you're 15 and a half. And so those first, I could I can imagine those first couple of years of Hyperfly taking off is you guys really grinding, trying to get it to go. And now that you're an adult, obviously you're the creative director, like you said. How do you, how do you balance being able to train, but also being able to run the company? Mm. Um, I, um, I have like a love hate relationship with jujitsu. Um, and that is, you know, before, before I, oh, first of all, I don't, I don't run the company. It's, I always have to say that. It's like Sorry. Our yeah. I'm just the, I'm the one who's the loudest on social media. Right? It's, <laughs> it's a full family effort, you know? Um, but yeah, before I started, uh, getting into like the designing part and working on geese and stuff, um, I was just doing anything else that needed to be done. Right. Uh, so running a social, just working on the warehouse, shipping, all that stuff. And I wasn't too, too like, I guess like I wasn't too into like staring at geese yet because I wasn't designing any. But as I got into that part, um, I realized that when I would be sitting on the mat, I would look at other geese and I'm like, oh, what is this? What is that? What are they doing? Let me, I would just try to roll with people just because I wanted to touch their gi in a way. You know? <laughs> to see the details, like it's my only way of like, you know, checking out other geese without, you know, like putting on a disguise and like going into like the only other like uh, store that's in San Diego, you know? So um, I have a love-hate relationship with it because I have times when we're just so busy here at the company and I'm all I deal with all day long is jujitsu and I'm working on geese. And so I go on the mat and I just can't pay attention to the technique. Um, you know, I'm staring at other things. I'm, I'm, I'm spacing out. And it's like, I don't really want to be on the mats at that when I'm like that, because I can't, you know, I can't soak up any of their information and I'm not a good okay to my partner. I'm just kind of useless, you know, um, I'm just kind of waiting for everything to be over so we can roll. Um, and yeah, that's, I mean, that's it, it's a it, it's a balance but right now i'm on a good streak i'm really excited about training um i recently went through a breakup so i kind of like found my love and passion for jiu-jitsu again you know because it's like the best therapy and, and finding a community Great. on the mats so i've been i've been really loving it so what was the turning point then to where uh like how you you mentioned the breakup right but what was the turning point? Like, was it you guys got on the mat one day and like it was like a mind shift, shift, a mind shift? You were just like, you know what? I just want to have fun. I just want to roll. Like, I just, there's, I don't want to be worried about this. Yeah. So, like I said, it comes in waves, you know, and, and I'll, I'll, I, aside from training, I also cycle. Um, mm. I love to lift. I love like doing programs where I'm like doing powerlifting or whatever, like setting myself goals. Um, and so, like, I kind of just like do whatever I'm like, what I can be passionate about currently. Um, and so for a while I was cycling and I had to cycle because I hurt my knee on the mats at an open mat. Mm. And I've never had an, a jutsu injury before. And everybody just kept telling me like, just start cycling. Like just, that's mm. the best thing for you, you know, like for your knees. Um, but then my coworker, he got invited to do a high rollers tournament and he kind of needed a, a training buddy to like get in shape and, just carpool together when we're training all over San Diego. And I got into that. I got really excited about training. And then I hurt my knee again recently. Took some time to let it recover. 
um, and then went through that breakup. And that's like, when I was on the mat, I was like, this is kind of like the only place I want to be at right now, because I would have all this time. I would go home that I would, you know, spend with my partner doing stuff, going on dates, like doing whatever, you know, working out together. And then I would just go home and I'm like, oh, I'm not really doing that anymore. So kind of was looking for a better way to spend my time. And, and the mats kind of just spoke to me, you know, they were there. I, I totally get that, man. I think that's just life ebbs and flows, right? We go after what Absolutely. we're passionate about at the time. Like I'm on a long break right now. I had some shoulder surgery. What I've been gone like six, seven months yeah, probably at this while. point. And uh, I get it all the time. They're like, you miss it. You ready to go back? And like right now I don't, I've got other hobbies I'm into, you know, I'm enjoying that's spending time with my kids and their soccer games and not worrying about it. Yeah. Um, you know, so like right now I'm not there yet. I think I will get there again and I'll probably swap mm -hmm. my blue belt for white belt again when I do go back, <laughs> you know, but you know, I, I totally get it, dude. I think that's just life and, uh, you know, we're all yeah. human. Those are just the things that happen. Yeah. I've I, like, yeah. I met you too. I've had a little bit of a mind shift change too. And, uh, you know, I don't know what it was, but I didn't feel like I had to win at every class, but I f was trying to find some, maybe I was finding, trying to find something that was motivating me to show up to train mm -hmm. because like you guys just mentioned, we all go through it. And so I would get to, I would get to the class and I'm like, well, I just want to like roll and, you know, push myself and try. And I would get really tired because, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad, I have a full-time job. So I, I'm like setting higher expectations for myself than I probably should have. And so one day, and I was like, just a couple weeks ago, I was like, you know what, screw this, man. I just really want to have fun. I'm going to put myself in really shitty positions. I'm just going to try stuff on people that are, are that are good. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. The beautiful thing about getting out of a, a horrible position or submission is there's one thing that automatically lets it stops it. It's a tap, and there, it doesn't even matter. You know what I mean? Like, I used to feel like mm -hmm. tapping was like, like, no, I got tapped tonight, but whatever, dude. Like, I'm happy I get to train. That's like the best part yeah. of my day. Tuesdays and Thursdays, at, it sucks that it's at 6 p.m. at night, but at least I get to go train twice a week, and my oldest son does it with me. I'm going to start a movement yeah, to I, get a class at 4 p.m. <laughs> I think one of the, the, the things that was for me that clicked was um, when, you're, when you're cycling or when you're, when you're doing anything on your own, you get to the point where you hit the wall, right? And so you either push through the wall and you get to this beautiful state where you can just go forever. Like, especially when I, I, I love long distance running and I'll get to like mile 10 and then I don't feel any of it anymore, you know, yep. and I'm just like floating. But it is also extremely difficult because it's so easy to quit. Yeah. Same with lifting at the gym. You can be like, all right, I did how many exercises, looking swole, feeling strong, you know, like time to go home. You know, House of Dragon is on. Yeah. But when you're on the yeah, <laughs> but when you're on the mats, like um, I have this rule that if someone asks me to roll, I don't say no. I I just don't. It doesn't matter what rank they are. I just never say no. I'm like the I'm trying to be more of a yes guy with everything in my life. But it helps because getting beat up is like in a weird way, it's such a satisfying feeling because you're not quitting, right? Like you're, you're pushing through it all until the class is over, right? Or until no one wants to roll anymore. And so it's not up to you to just walk off and be done with it. It's like, it's like, like everybody's done, you know, as a whole, yeah. but it helps, it really helps me like, like push, push through it all, you know, and like, and like really, cause like there's so many times when I leave the gym and I'm just like, oh, I could have done more or yeah. like, I get home from my ride and I didn't take that one turn, which would have added a couple more miles, you know, 
but on the mat you just you just get beat up and and unless you're the baddest dude in the room you know and then you should probably find a new mat to train at <laughs> but, right. right but um i i just i love i love that challenge of it and i um another fun thing i realized um because i used to train for the next rank you know i mm. i white and then i got my orange belt and and then I got my orange belt before I got my blue belt. So that was almost like a degrading in a way. And I was like, orange belt, like those for kids. <laughs> but I've always trained for the next belt. But I've I was a I was a blue belt for five years. I've been a purple belt for seven. Um, I've had so many ups and downs in my life with jujitsu. Um, things have kept me away. I've competed. I've done like all of it. You know, I've been training for a long time. And I just realized that I'm not really training for that belt anymore. I that that is not even on my horizon. If it happens, it happens. I, I'll be stoked on it. You know, I'll probably sh- shed a tear. But <laughs> it just in general, I'm, I'm just training because one, it makes me feel great. But the second is that I want to be able, like if, I, if I'm caught in a situation and I'm, I have to find a dude who's like the mountain from Game of Thrones, you know, like the big old dude, right. I want to be able to give my absolute best to like fight for my life or def- or def- defend the people that I love or or just like run through a horde of zombies. I don't know what it is, but it's going to happen. But I want to feel like a lethal weapon, you know, like yeah. I want to be strong. I want to be fast. I want to be able to defend myself. I want to be able to protect the people I love that are around me. And that's kind of like why I train, because I just I want to I want to be able to put up the best possible fight to like fight for my life or whatever might happen one day. You know, I just I don't know if it's like a weird thought or not, but it kind of like clicked in my head and I'm just like, I just want to be a badass motherfucker. I don't care <laughs> what rank I am, you know, like I'm not walking around on the street with a rank tied around my ass, you know, like I'm not wearing like, you could, you know, so I could, I, I could, you know, we, we've thought about making products like that, but we don't. Um, and, you know, I think it's cheesy, but I just, I just want to be able to, to, to like give someone a hard, hard time and have the absolute best shot at survival. So that's, that's kind of why I train now. Yeah. It's Life's crazy, dude. Shit's crazy out there. Like you yep. don't never know what's going to happen. Yeah. John and I, honestly, we talk about it all the time. Uh, and we're like, okay, which people in the group of friends are going to be, uh, useful in the time of an apocalypse <laughs> and which ones are going to yep. be outside the circle. I'm like, you know whose what I mean? pantry is yeah. mine. Yeah, it? no. yeah, it's not weird. I mean, you got to think about it. We're all waiting for that gigantic earthquake, right? Apparently, like the San, and- or well, the San, and- what's the plate that you guys live on? Andreas, the San Andreas plate, Andreas right? Fall. That's supposed to that's supposed to yeah. split California off. Thank God. I mean, no, we're like so overdue. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. so overdue. Yeah. So <laughs> having that jujitsu is going to help, man, because someone's going to come and you're going to have to pull guard on them. You know, one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least you'll have the cardio. Yeah, the cardio is what you want. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and, and then you got and then you have Russia, you know, threatening nuclear war, and and you have you know you have shit happening everywhere. Um, and I I don't trust dark alleyways, you know. Like I want to be able to prepare to to take care of my own and, and whoever is around me. So, so do you feel like uh, yeah. your your jujitsu cardio has been improved since you cycle from the injury and all that stuff? Do you feel like it's helped any? Uh. Probably, but I've always had really, really good cardio. I've, mm. I've um, so my first love is running. That's I, I remember the day I got runners high. I was uh, I think I was probably in fifth grade in Germany, and we had like a PE test. It was like running around a lake, um, and like you know tracking like tracking the time, and everybody had to do it. 
And I just kept lapping the lake, you know, over and over and over again. And then eventually it was time for all of us to go back to school. Like my school was like in the woods, basically. So we'd like go over to the track and we're waiting for everybody else to finish up. And I just like start running the track and I'm like, you know, doing laps and laps and laps. And at some point I hear the, the, uh, the bell go off for like break. And I'm like, eh, I'm just going to run through the break. And then the bell go off for the next class to start. And I'm like, eh, I'm just going to skip class and keep running. I, I just, I didn't know what was coming over me, but I had this, I, I had this incredible, like I didn't even have music on or anything. I just had this incredible runner's high and I was just, I was just flying over the track and, and uh, I felt so incredible. So I've been running my entire life. I've always loved running and I've always had good cardio. I'm always like the last guy to get up like one more time. Like, let's go again. So, <laughs> I, I, I know what you're talking about too. Cause it's hard to explain. I, I have a very similar story. I was in, when I was in elementary school, I had, I was like the third or fourth fastest kid in my elementary school. And mm-hmm. I didn't even understand. It wasn't until I was like, was an adult and I found my athleticism uh, in my early twenties. And I was like, man, all the signs were there. Like I'm looking back at it now. I'm like, all the signs were there, man. I wish I would have taken advantage of it. But you know, my wife, my wife has done like a half marathon and, uh, I've done a couple of marathons and, and 10 Ks and five Ks and stuff like that. There's a big point in my life where I really, really loved running also. Now I look at back at it and I like re- reevaluate my life decisions on why would I enjoy running so much. But, <laughs> but you know, that, that runner's high, it's almost equivalent to like when you get done with a role and you're not tired and the other person is like mm-hmm. exhausted. You're like, that's right. That, that I, I did good on that. One. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like one of the best feelings when you, when you, um, when you can, when you just feel like you can go forever, you know, and, and I, I, that's why I, I just love being an active person and just like, I dabble in everything mm-hmm. and I'm not particularly good at any of them. I just do all of them. So I have like many tools in the shed. They might not be the sharpest, but I can use them if I have to, you know, and I can apply them when I, when I need to. Right. So you, you said you competed. When was the last time you competed? Uh, last time I competed and I was, oh, I was a purple belt. I did the San Diego open. I want to say it was like 2017 or 18. I, um, I hadn't competed in a while and I was like, I was like on one of those, uh, like I'm just training a bunch right now and I feel great. So I'm, I signed up for a tournament, uh, jumped in and this is why I love jujitsu too. Cause the first dude that I, you know, the first match, um, stocky dude, big ears, you know, like I don't even have cauliflower ears. Like I, <laughs> I kind of low key want it, but I'll, I don't think I'll ever happen. I think it was like this, you know, <laughs> But uh, big dude, cauliflower ears, and I'm like, shit, man, this guy's going to beat me up. Blew through his guard, mounted him, cross-collar choked him. And I was like, okay, cool, yeah, like round two, match two. Again, same scenario. I'm like, oh, man, this guy, you know, he's Brazilian. He's the fighter. Like, okay, this is it. Same thing, like, you know, blew through his guard, mounted him, cross-collar choke. It was awesome. Or maybe that was an armbar. And then the third one, I fought this kid, Daniel, from Sweden, who was training in Athos, and super long legs couldn't get past this guard and and so i think i I placed third and that's i think that's the only time i ever placed at a tournament actually besides good grappling x like years and years and years ago um but that's the last time i competed i was really eager to compete at the uh jiu-jitsu world like that's happening this weekend in del mar here in san diego but um when i i i re-injured my knee like almost two weeks ago at the legion open mat this kid was blue belt trying to pass my guard took the leg with it and just kind of like my knee just went out mm. 
Um, but I, I've been hitting the gym and doing legs and everything feels fine. So I'm kind of just giving it a, another week or so, and then I'll be back on the mats. What is your mindset before you, you compete? Do you, we, at, we asked Heisman this, are you like, uh, you meditate? Do you listen to the music? Like what, mm-hmm. what is it that you would do before you step on the mat? Um, so I think it's, it, it, if I compete today or this weekend, it'd be a different mindset that I had when I first started. When I first started, it was like the pre-workout at the tournament, you know, it was the, I have to get in that, um, that like, that zone of like, I'm going to, I'm going to fuck someone up. You know, I'm going to kill this dude. He did something terrible to my family or something, you know, just trying to get to that dark place where you're just pissed off and you're angry and you're slapping yourself, you know? And like, I was that guy jumping high on the side on the mats and stuff. Um, but I think now I, I would just jam out. I would just put on headphones and I would just jam out and, and just be excited to compete. I, I realized that um, when I'm training, I have a I flow better and I have a better role and I have a better time when I'm just I'm I'm just having fun, when I'm not taking it so serious, when I'm not, you know, setting myself like this, putting myself to this like dark place where I'm getting pissed off. Like I have a genuine better time when I'm feeling like a genuine guy, you know. <laughs> so I don't yeah I don't really. And that same, but that was the same thing for anything for me. Like I played ice hockey for years and like, he would, he would just like, Oh, this team sucks, you know, like get (laughs) mad at this team. And then, you know, and I don't, I don't know if that's just like, um, the path that, that people take to get to like the, you know, a deal like mindset or something. Everybody is going through stuff to, to get where they're at now, you know, but I'm kind of just like in a, in a really happy place right now in my life even though I just had a breakup, but I'm in a ha- really happy place and I'm really grateful. And, and, um, yeah, just, I'm just here to have fun. That's why I want to train just because I want to have fun now. What What's on the playlist? What's on the playlist? Mm, um, probably some, 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 uh, some techno. I, I listen to a lot of techno. I listen to a lot of psychedelic rock, a little bit of rap here and there. Um, but you know what? I, I think that, uh, if I was competing, I would probably be listening to this, uh, band called Krungbin just cause, um, they're like a jam band and it's just like super fun to listen to and flow to. So, yeah. When you, when you roll, do you prefer, uh, John likes asking this question actually about the, the coaching. Do you like when people coach you during competition or do you like just figuring it out on your own? Football is back, baby. We're back to seeing Mahomes sling beautiful balls all over the field. And your friends at Manscaped are here to help you sling your beautiful balls all season long. With Manscaped's state-of-the-art tech, we'll have your weapon looking more loaded than the AFC West. Football may be rough, but your ball care doesn't have to be with Manscaped. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code ETP20. At Whiteout and the clearest duo in the league, the ultimate premium body wash and ultra premium 2-in-1 shampoo and conditioner with their rugged since uh, they attracted both the ball and all the ladies in the crowd. <laughs> Plus these two leave your skin and scalp feeling more hydrated. And that means plays on the field and less water breaks. You know what I'm saying? 
on defense there's only one thing you need the aluminum free ultra premium <laughs> deodorant with the refined cologne quality fragrance it keeps sweat and the locker room scents from making any ground plus it dries clear so the opponent won't even know it what hit them kind of like the ball deodorant this has got to be a super bowl winning roster please don't take my word for it go to manscape.com and get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code etp20 that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code ETP20. Manscaped for turning your player into an MVP. Thanks, Manscaped. No, I, I think the coaching is, is I, I think unless you're a veteran in competing, I, I think having a coach is, is crucial. Um, just because everybody else has a coach, right? I'm, I'm listening to that coach, though. When they're yelling at him on what to do, I'm like, counter, counter. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, counter. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. don't tell them what I need to do. I know what I need to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I. The last time I competed, I had um, a random guy that I that that I've known for years. He just started randomly coaching me, and it was super helpful. You know, it's just like the Hawkeye perspective. You know, right. like, oh, he's going for this. You know, make sure you counter. And like, in a way, you can listen to the other coach. But I, I, I feel like also like if you're paying attention to someone else other than the one voice that you know, uh, you, you'll probably fuck up and you'll probably get swept or something. You all, know? all I know is the greatest so. thing I could hear was time. They're like, 15 seconds left. Like, thank Five, baby, and I'm Jesus. like, thank God, I'm about to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's, your, what's your game now as a, a seasoned purple belt? Like, what, what do you enjoy doing? Um, I... I've been hitting wrist locks on everybody because they're always there, mm. and people get mad at me for it. Mm -hmm. That's but our it's shit. Like, we love that. It's the it's the aha moment, you know. You get the <laughs> wrist lock, and and I'm like, it's always there, and they go, oh. We were uh, my my coworker John Luke and I. We were um, we went to High Rollers in Vegas, so we went to ADCC and we went to High Rollers. Yeah, we were there right as it started and hung out about for like an hour or so, and then we left. So we, I think the thing went way late. Uh, but, um, it's cool. Like they, they just have like a room full of people rolling joints and they bring them out and everybody's sitting on the mat smoking. Um, but I remember wrist locking this kid and, or this dude, I'm not beating up on kids, this dude. <laughs> and we don't judge. He, yeah. And I go, they're always there. And he goes, dude, that's exactly what that guy said. And I look over and it's my coworker, you know, cause we <laughs> train together. So, <laughs> um, but I mean, generally like, uh, I'm, um, I like standing. I like you know starting out standing, trying to get the takedown, and then uh, passing guard. Um, it goes all the way back to like uh, like Shandri and Salos, like a hundred kilos from the side, pressure passing that stuff. I, I I try to slow your game down. So instead of me trying to outpace you, although even though I have great cardio, I I try to just do like handicap you in a way. Like I try to slow you down, get grips that are annoying, put my elbow in your face. Um, just make it really uncomfortable for you. Cause I, it's a contact sport. A lot of people forget that. And I feel like a lot of schools, uh, unless you're doing the competition class, you're not necessarily like, uh, you know, like the Rotola brothers, you know, their, their style, they're just constantly making it uncomfortable for you. You know, they're stepping on your ankles while they're trying to pass. And I love that. And I think it's fair game, you know? So I, I try to slow you down, try to put as much as pressure as possible on you. Um, light on my feet, but really heavy, really heavy in like every position I get in. Um, and that's kind of, that's, that's kind of what I like. It, it's now, if you sweep me and then start trying passing my guard, I, I, 
my open garden needs a lot of work still, you know? So <laughs> I'm right there with you, bro. Mine is terrible. I feel like yeah. a, a turtle on his back, bro. Like people literally like yeah. last last night I was rolling with uh Cody, our, our owner. He's a six foot five, two hundred and twenty pound oh. guy. Yeah. And uh brown belt. And so he literally just grabbed my knees and just shucked me to the side. And I was like, All right, well that I get I guess you're in side control now, man. Like there's nothing <laughs> I can really do here. Just pick you up like a little child and set you over. Yeah. yeah, I'm like I'm like I'm like, I feel like my son yes. when he plays with me. This is what I feel like yeah. when I roll with I like I've never fin- felt so disrespected every Tuesday and Thursday in my life than feeling like a man child rolling with this person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like did he just grab my arm yeah. and move it? He's like I'm like what the <laughs> I'm not that weak. <laughs> yeah. So so what do you it's... feel like your biggest weakness is in jiu-jitsu right now? Um probably playing open guard to be honest it's like i i've never really loved that and i've always been uh quick to like try to get the takedown and try to start passing or you know so like whenever i i I get swept and like people are like trying to pass my guard that's definitely one of the one of the weaker positions i have but um i mean i'm really hard to submit so like you might you might get you know, your arm all the way around me and you think you have that choke sunk in, but I'll get out of it. Like I'm super hard to submit. I'm, 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 you know, I got my limbs in and I don't really like let anything out, you know, keep those elbows so, tight. Yeah. Keep them tight. You know, like I got the basics down, but t- tuck and roll, you know, like I, I know, I know, I know how to uh, properly defend myself on the mats when it comes to like the defending attacks and getting out of them. Um, and I think that's like one of my biggest assets I have too. Cause sometimes when you're training with someone and, and they get a, like a good submission early on and they think they have it and then you get out of it. I think like most of the times you'll end up in a better position, right? Cause I feel like a lot of submissions kind of set you up like well, arm bars, unless it's like they have your back, but be able to get out of it and get into guard or, you know, start passing um, sometimes. And like what you said earlier, I put myself in shitty positions just to work out of it. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, go to an open mat and I'll find the absolute biggest person there or like the highest rank and I'll ask them to roll. Cause I, I, I like, I apply the, the super Saiyan method there where every, I don't know if you guys are like familiar with Goku and all that super stuff, Saiyan. but like mm-hmm. whenever, mm-hmm. whenever you get beat down, right. You come back stronger. <laughs> Goku always came back stronger, you know, like <laughs> he would, he would almost die. But then like when he, once he recovered, he was so much stronger. And so that's kind of how I see it. Like, if I can pick the biggest person in the room to beat me up or like the person with the most stripes with the darkest belt to beat me up, I can get out of any other situation, you know, like I can take a beating from anybody else and, and, and survive it or, or get the better. It really puts in perspective uh, when you do do something like that, like you get smashed by a black belt or whatever, how trivial everything else is on or off the mat right like you're putting yourself purposely in hardship to grow as a person and then when you leave that open mat it's almost like that runner's high it's like well anything else that attacks me today i'm not i'm not too worried about it i just had i just had a third degree black belt literally smash me for five minutes and i survived that i may have tapped a couple times but you're you're learning something i think there's like that is such an underrated thing for new practitioners to fully understand that 
like you're growing even when you're getting tapped as long as you take it as a growth and not as something that's like oh man he got me again like no it's okay mm -hmm. like you're gonna fail like it's okay because everything else in life is isn't going to give you that opportunity to realize your faults and give you the opportunity to do it better next time you know what i mean yeah i i um i think ego plays a huge part in this right when you're when you're new to jujitsu and you get on the mats and uh say you know you're 20 years old you're male you're you know relatively good shape and you get paired up with like a juvenile or, or with a girl and they beat you up and they choke you out you can like go you know two ways you can go you can learn from it and let it humble you which is what i think you're supposed to do mm -hmm. or you can like let it make you mad you know and 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 i and you know and, and not really learn from it and so i think getting humbled on the mats uh, at a young age has helped me stay out of trouble in high school. Like I never got into any fights. Also, when I started training, it was like, oh, you do UFC. So everybody in school was just like, oh, this kid does UFC. I don't want to fight him, you know? So yeah. that was great. That was great. Um, but in a lot of ways, like at, at getting your ego crushed at a, at a young age or just at any time when you get into jiu-jitsu and, and, you, and you allow yourself to open up to that and let and learn from it you can apply that in your life everywhere you go i think like it, it, it's a it's a learning experience that you can apply to any anything that you that you might have to encounter in life and and, and kind of give you a different perspective you know like not be so ego ego driven and have a more open mindset about it Agreed. The first time I got tapped by a 16-year-old girl, I was like, all right, I guess that kind of sucks. Riley, she would, she, 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 every time we mention her, she listens to the podcast, and every time we mention her name, she has, apparently she has like a collage of video <laughs> clips of us mentioning her. But when we first started, she was, she's 17 now, about to be 17, and we'd be doing, this, so she, yeah, she was like 12, 13 years old, and her dad's a cop, and she would just like forearm to the jaw yeah. like you'd be like oh mm -hmm. i'm just gonna go light and then all of a sudden you're like holy crap dude this chick's literally trying to kill me right now like and rolling with someone like that yeah you can use your size yeah you can use your strength but then no one's really gaining anything from that experience so it it makes it makes you have to like okay how do i get out of this like without just ripping her arm off me i think that once again i think there's a lot to learn there that Newer practitioners only see the the bad side of it, and they don't see the the chance to like apply technique to the fullest extent. You know, mm -hmm. and until you hit that point where it's so obvious that you kind of just like have to you have to let it like teach you. You know, <laughs> like I think there you for a while you can like kind of run around like this and be like, oh, you know, but at some <laughs> point, because <laughs> like we all have those moments where, oh man, I've been training for two, three, four weeks now and I feel like a killer and I just went to this open mat and I crushed everybody, right? And then you you travel a little bit, you go to a different school and you just get annihilated. And you're like, man, but I was so good. Like, how is this happening? And I'm, I'm, I, I'm very fortunate to have like trained like so many places around the world and experienced a lot of the different ways of, like I always say that uh, Jiu-Jitsu, it's like it's a universal language we can all communicate through it but everywhere you go there's a little bit of an accent to it so people do it a little bit different you know um 
and I've I've gotten my ego crushed so many times thinking I'm the baddest dude in the room <laughs> by like people that are the same rank or less and I'm like maybe I'm just having a bad day or like you just get embarrassed you know and I think if it happens enough at some point you you kind of surrender to it and you're just like all right you know and then you can use it as a tool in life problem problem solving and you know yeah because you're gonna have bad days and it, it, it happens yeah it's okay it's yeah you're okay. gonna have bad days right John oh yeah, yeah for sure yeah so when when you look at the future of jujitsu, where where do you see it going? Especially because you're you're so heavily into the whole community. Um. So, ADCC that just happened in Vegas was a beautiful sign of how healthy our jujitsu community currently is. I think. Um, we here at Hyperfly, we've seen a huge uptake through COVID um, of like people buying white belts. We have a store, so then San Diego was a mecca for jiu-jitsu. So we have a lot of people coming in, like first time getting their first gi, getting their belt and all that. Um, jiu-jitsu has been like, it's been on the rise, but because of everything that happened during COVID and everything, all the violence and all the other stuff that happened in the like two or three year period, a lot of people just want to know how to defend themselves, right? Um, and so you have so many new people in, in the jiu-jitsu in the jiu-jitsu industry and in, in our world and it really showed at adcc like people really showed up and people were cheering and people were about it and for a long time uh worlds was like the mega event right you go to worlds uh and you and you see it and and by sunday like no one's really there because flow has made it so easy for you to sit at home and so like us as the spectators us uh, on the ground we don't really see the numbers you know like we don't know how many people tuned in and so it's always been so it's been like, oh, this year Worlds was good. This year wasn't, you know, like nobody wants to sit through long finals. But when you when you put together a mega event like ADCC and you get talent and you get Bruce Buffer to walk out, you know, and, and you get Joe Rogan on the sidelines and you really pull everybody who loves jiu-jitsu together and give them one event to like, you know, come together for, you, I think you see a beautiful reflection of where our sport is heading. And I think we're just we're just going up from here. Um, like I mentioned earlier, when I first started training and I was in high school, people were like, "Oh, you do UFC, you know, and like pajamas and like people just didn't understand what jiu-jitsu was, right?" But I think all all the great industries, all the great sports that have created an industry nowadays, like yoga, like surfing, like skateboarding, they've all been there, right? Like skateboarders were like, you know, hood rats. Like, what are they doing? Uh, surfers were just kooks, like stoners, right? And yoga, like hippies, like what is going on, you know? And now you look at Lululemon, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, right? Like a company and, and it's a yoga as an industry. And, and and so I think that we've graduated from, when I say we, Jiu-Jitsu has graduated from a uh, martial art that was uh, like a hobbyist sport that was a martial art. You had to be a martial artist to be in it uh, to a household name. Everybody, know, everybody almost, almost everybody knows what Jiu-Jitsu is nowadays, mm -hmm. you know? Um, People know the benefits of it, of self-defense, of mental health, of just overall fitness, the community that can come with it, um, and just like how much fun it is. It's not, it's it's become its own thing. And I don't think that we have even reached the, we haven't, we have, we're not nowhere near the top. No. I think that uh, we have so much more growth and so much more, more that we're going to see. And and uh, I mean, Flo is doing a huge part in it, like putting together a reality TV show to, um, you know, give us uh, like the give us more athletes to like 
get behind that have a social media account, right? That they are active on there, that are characters that can tell a story. Um, and I think that we're we're just really as these last couple of years, we're just really now seeing like what jujitsu can be and where it's gonna go. I think a very interesting point about jujitsu and ex- when it comes to you know events like ADCC or or any real jujitsu event is the the people in the crowd are typically active participators in the sport. Like not necessarily the sport of like jujitsu, but they typically are practitioners of jujitsu. You know what I mean? Like uh, uh, one of our buddies mentioned this during one of his interviews recently, but he's like, you don't go to a football game and everyone in the stadiums are football players. You don't go Could to a basketball game. Yeah, right. <laughs> but if you go, if you like walked into ADCC, it's a- almost everyone in the crowd is a jujitsu practitioner. You know what I mean? Like they're all there because they love the sport and they practice the sport and they want to see it at the highest level. I think that is so interesting. And like, it's, it's such a, a, like a market, I guess you could say to, to grab a hold of if you can, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I can't, I can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah. I think it's so cool that when we, when, you know, when, when we all show up for like ADCC, you know, and, and everybody trains and you can talk to anybody, yeah. you know, you can be standing in line, you know, like, oh, where do you train at? You know, what do you do? And, and everybody's kind of friends, you know, because we're all doing the same thing. We're all in each other's clothes guards as men, you know, like <laughs> yeah. we're, we've, you know, we've, there's like, you know, we've have already crossed so many boundaries, w- what regular people don't do, you know, like just because you love football doesn't mean you're on the field getting tackled, you know, you're most likely on the sidelines watching it, but all of us jujitsu cats, you know, all of us, we're, we're, we all bleed and train together. We all sweat on each other, you know, like we're, we're, it's a different community, yeah. you know, and then we get the whole MMA side too. Right. And so like what Mo did with uh, getting Bruce Buffer and getting all these people to show up for ADCC, you get all these eyes from, from the, from the UFC fans too, because it's like, Oh, they're not striking what they're grappling. And like this guy, Gordon Ryan has a big name and, you know, like, and so it, I think that we're, we're heading in like a in like the golden era almost you know of like of new talent of new events um and just us for us brands too uh i think that there's a handful of brands that are doing exciting stuff in the sport that are bringing um eyes and and, and bringing streetwear brands into this world um and helping helping the sport grow overall you know i I've been training forever and, and I, I should maybe be a brown belt at this point, you know, but I'm not, but I definitely think that, uh, when, if I'm speaking in terms of like jujitsu, like lingo, I'm, I'm like a black belt second degree when it comes to like just handling the jujitsu side of, you know, like the, what, what, what we as hyperfly have brought to the sport, the eyes, mm-hmm. the people, uh, the collaborations, like, I think it plays a massive part and the overall health of the sport and and what is possible for athletes you know we're one of the first brands to really pay our athletes you know like when yeah nobody was really like corral and all these brands like shit i, I don't want to mention any brands but like brands <laughs> back in the day you know like nobody was really getting paid like a fair salary right it was like hey we give you geese and you can take these geese and sell them in your school like you you made all your you made all your athletes like gi dealers you know and like that's just another job in his own when they should be focusing <laughs> on training and so when we really first started training uh working with prof- like professional athletes like like uh athletes that are in it 
to to train to compete and, and and achieve the highest possible level we truly were supporting them you know whether they're winning or losing or are they injured you know we weren't we don't stop payments we don't just you know we don't just bail on them uh, we don't just work with an athlete uh when they're hot when they're like oh this talent purple belt right now he's gonna crush it at purple brown and black and once he's black we're out because you never know how they're gonna do you know right uh when we work with athletes we um we're a family business so like we treat them like family you know we're very close and personal with all athletes uh which has sometimes um done us wrong being so close to 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 athletes because you know life is unpredictable and sometimes you split ways and you go different ways and it feels like a terrible breakup you know it's like so emotional <laughs> right, right um but you know we we as a brand want to be taken serious by the people that follow us and so we treat everybody else the same like the athletes that we it's a two-way and i think that's what a lot of brands don't realize or maybe they're starting to more but it's a two-way relationship and athletes don't realize that necessarily either they're like oh well i you know, I just tapped this guy out and I'm on hot shit right now, but it's a two-way street, right? Like we do everything possible for you to be able to train. And so you have to do everything possible for us to be able to pay our bills, right? So you have to promote the brand in, in the right way. Um, and I don't even know how we got to this point, but yeah. No, it, one of one of my favorite athletes that you have is a, is a good friend of the podcast, Matthew Gillette. And uh, mm. he is the whenever you guys drop something new and you send it to him i'm waiting for like the instagram post like he's done like the tiger yeah. one where he had like a sword he just did yeah. the the yeah. flower with the shake weight i i always I message him afterwards i'm like dude you you have me dying laughing over here with some of your posts man yeah yeah matt's cool we've been working with matt for like i think almost as long as we've been a brand yeah like we've been working with him for forever i think uh, we started working with matt when he was a blue belt pretty sure we did um, but we have a few athletes like that like uh, Isaac Bahansi he's we started working with him when he was a juvenile blue belt and did all of the juvenile stuff with them and then all the adult and all of all of the ranks you know and now he's like traveling the world and and uh, opening up schools in Texas and in Sao Paulo with DreamArt and doing incredible things and giving back to the community but we have we have a good handful of athletes and not all of them compete anymore but um that we were that we graduated with that's the way we put it like blue to black white belt i don't think necessarily counts because like you don't know where you're at as a white belt and you don't really you know like whenever a white belt applies for a sponsorship i'm like you make it to blue belt first you know and you get a strike <laughs> to show that you're dedicated yeah, and yeah. then we'll talk you know there's no white belt that is unless there's some influencer or something and then you got to work with them you know but um <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of speaking of influencers, uh, someone someone that you are friends with that I hear, um, Matt, uh, Tom Hardy. You know, he's recently been in the the limelight lately because he's he's been competing a lot more. Every time I see him winning a tournament, the first thing I think of is he's trying to get his purple belt. I'm not thinking of anything else. Like I'm like this dude's trying to get his purple belt right now. He's waiting for Sam. Sam's probably like, you got to win a couple tournaments, man. And then he's like, then you yeah. can get your purple belt. And so Tom's like, whatever, I'll go out in the limelight. Like, what is that relationship like? How, when you look back at like where you guys started to now, you know, you're you're in relationship with all these incredible people. How, how does that? feel mm. um yeah it goes back to just being like so incredibly grateful for where where i'm at with my life and where the company and us as a family are at in life um 
we've been just super fortunate to make some really uh, unique, great friends at the right time and being there for when random people would show up. Um, and uh, but Tom was like, Tom was just a fan. Like Tom was buying stuff from Hyperfly from us. And um, we, I, I'll, I, I have, to this day, I still have my Shopify notifications on on my phone. So every <laughs> sale, and my sister is like, "Why do you do that? Turn it off." But when I don't hear my phone ringing, I know something's wrong. You know, when I don't hear the Shopify ping, and I'm like, "Okay, something's wrong." So I'm always scrolling through the orders, like seeing who's placing orders, like where are they going. Um, and eventually, like I, I mean, Tom Hardy's just a name that stands out, right? It's like iconic. It's like boom, right. And I, th- I think we messaged him on Instagram. Well, I did. That's when I was running our social. I messaged him on Instagram uh, and just kind of like, hey, thanks for the, you know, thank you for the support. Just kind of chatting it up. And he replied, which was really cool. And then um, I kind of just, I had a Europe trip planned. And whenever I meet someone who's like in, like a person of interest, I'm just like, I'm just going to try to meet them, you know? So I'm like, yeah, hey, I'm going to be in Germany later this summer what's up? And he's like, Oh, come over to the UK, come over to London, come train with us. And, um, did my Germany family trip and then hopped on a plane, flew over there. And, um, it was a Hodger Gracie affiliation, a little, little outside of the, out of London. And I, I think I was still messaging with him on Instagram and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there at five 30, just come and train. And I'm there. Or, or he said, come train with us at five 30. I'm there on the mat, I'm training, he's not there. And I'm like, oh, he just meant come train with the team. I'm like, whatever, still a cool experience. I'm in London. And then I turn around and this rugged looking dude with the beard and everything is like right behind me. And he's like, hey mate, sorry for being late, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're apologizing (laughs) to me? You don't have to apologize to me. You're Tom (laughs) Hardy. Yeah, I'm like, you can do whatever the fuck you want. but yeah, just just trained with him and and um, passed his guard, and he called me a cunt out of endearment. You know, it was like a loving endearment. <laughs> right, term. right. And um, after that, just like he, it's just he's just. I mean, what a lot of people don't realize is that all of us were just individuals. We're all the same. You know, we all have a lifespan on this planet. We're all gonna die at some point. We're all bleed the same. We're all you know, we're all the same. And some people are just on higher pedestals than others. And it took me a while to realize that because as a kid, I was actually extremely nervous and I could I could have never done what I do now. But now, uh, after years and years of doing this business uh, with my family and my, and my parents pushing me at tournaments to like, you know, be at a tournament competing as a white belt and and like, OK, go go to go to this guy and give him a poster and a key lanyard and, and you know, just introduce yourself and go to this person and like my opponent. All the people that I would compete against, they would get like a care package after from us. Like, oh, sorry for winning. Here you go. Here's a care package from do or die. <laughs> and it's just like talking to random people, you know? So like I've gotten really comfortable at talking to anybody, like selling a fridge to an Eskimo. Like I can just go for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I met Tom and, and he was just super cool. And we've been just like chatting ever since. We've been just, you know, we don't, it's not like he's like my my texting buddy that we talk all the time. Right. But yeah, I, I, I'm grateful for just having that relationship. Um, and then uh, the reason why I met with Tom was to work on a reorg uh, project. Those guys are great. With Sam, Sh- yeah, yeah, with Sam, they're all awesome, amazing, um, amazing. Like, they do an amazing job with what you know, with the the awareness they're raising and the funds they're raising for veterans to train, and it's incredible. Uh, but yeah, I got to 
meet that whole crew and and that's kind of like how you know that's how that relationship started did you ever think you were going to be at where you guys are now like sitting picking up your leaving seattle to go back down to get your first crate of geese and whatnot like did you ever think that you're gonna be where you guys are no no um to be completely transparent uh I mean, like, who as a teenager loves hanging out with their parents all the time? <laughs> you know? Breach. <laughs> or running a family business together out of your garage. Right. Um, right. And so I've, I've had a love-hate relationship with, like, you know, with the business at first because I was like, uh, I just want to be doing whatever I want to do, but it's a family business and it's getting busy, so I got to help out. And then I was like, oh, man, Jiu-Jitsu is not cool and I want to do something cool. And, but I've always wanted to be a graphic designer. I've always loved what I'm doing now. Um, and I kind of just like created this position for myself, but, um, yeah, I never thought that we would be where we are now. And it didn't really, it didn't really click for a while. Um, it felt more like, um, something I had to do at first. And then I really found the passion for it and the, the community of, of people that we have. And, um, I love, I love going to tournaments and like just seeing people that are wearing the brand and, Every once in a while, I see someone out in the open, you know, with like out in the wild wearing a Hyperfly shirt and I'll just chat them up like, you know, like, oh, what do you think about them? You know, and like the other day I was at Target and I was wearing our fly pack, our, our fanny pack. And this dude was waiting at the exit door. He had seen me checking out and he's waiting at the exit door. He didn't he doesn't know who I am and, or anything, but he as I walked past him, he goes, is that the fly pack for Hyperfly? And I was like, it is, man. He's like dude, it's been sold out forever. I really want one. It looks so cool and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, this is, this is amazing. You know, this is so <laughs> cool. Like I never thought that this would happen. Cause it's like, jujitsu has changed so much, you yeah. know? And like, we've put in so much hard work to get to where we are and we're still working so hard, but I, uh, you know, I'm trying to really enjoy the, the, the fruit of our labor and, and really like, I think it makes everything a lot easier when you really like stop when you stop for a second and smell the roses, you know, like you really try to enjoy all the hard work you put in. Yeah, absolutely. John, you got anything else? I don't, man. You got some good stories. Yeah. Super, super <laughs> fun conversation, man. I, I, we greatly appreciate you coming on the show. We like to end every conversation with the same question. If you could give a one piece of advice to a brand new white belt starting in jujitsu, what would it be? The show up. I don't know how many people give that advice, but just show up because you can, like we've talked about before, you can have a high, a high, a high, and then you can hit a low and the low can set you off track, right? And the low can be so bad that you just feel like embarrassed or you feel like you're not learning and you're kind of just stuck and you're not, you're not, you know, progressing, but just showing up is the difference. That's what's going to make the difference to your entire jiu-jitsu journey, to how much you know, to, to how good you're you know you can be um just showing up that's all well thank you Lawrence. clip, clip your nails clip your nails every time <laughs> <laughs> including clip your toenails including your toenails clip yeah. Your toe, yeah toenails <laughs> everything just clip them yeah <laughs> well thanks lawrence for coming on today man this was a great conversation uh, i'm so glad that we we're able to fit it in and even though we had a little bit of technical difficulties on our end uh it this this did not disappoint man thank you so much for is there anything that you want to put out there where can people find you at to if they want to follow you um hyperfly lawrence that's my, my that's my ig i'm pretty active on it these days um we have a store here in san diego 
in Miramar. So if you're if you're in San Diego, come on in. I'm we're the team is always here. We're always like happy to meet everybody and and get you fitted. Um, and most likely all the big tournaments, you know, all the A-list tournaments. I'm usually always there. And hopefully uh, somewhere on a mat near you, sometime competing or training, because I'm planning on traveling a lot more for work and and get out there. So if you if you if I'm in your area, hit me up on Instagram for sure. Well, that's awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for everyone listening and watching at home. John, you got anything else? Nothing. Thank you. All right, guys. Remember, no oil checks here. Oof. All right. Thank you. Peace. <laughs>